Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is Give Me Real Estate or Give Me Death, where we find out how to help you guys, the listeners, reach financial freedom through real estate, whether it's being in a mortgage business or being a real estate agent or investing in real estate. So without further ado, I want to introduce my two guests here, and uh, you guys can say your names and uh, what you guys do. So if you want to go ahead first. Sure. Uh, I'm Jessica Hoxie, and um, a, I am a mortgage loan officer with Movement Mortgage, and I am part of the lending ladies here with my partner. Hi, I'm Ashley Cookson. I am also a mortgage loan officer with Movement Mortgage and the lending ladies with Jessica Hoxie. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast today. Um, and yeah, so this podcast is formatted really simple. We're going to have three questions. The whole podcast is going to be based around really simple questions. Um, and uh, the first question is, what do you think makes you guys successful in the mortgage industry? I think it's really our unwavering commitment to our home buyers and to our current homeowners. Um, I think that's where Jess and I probably kind of thrive and um, get most of our successes from that, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, we really want to focus on the clients and building a long-term relationship. So it's not just about the transaction at hand, but it's about uh, building financial you know, wealth through this real estate mm-hmm. and how can we use this first deal to become successful throughout your lifetime. So we really try and give value to our clients and focus on each person's um, specific scenario. Okay. We have, I think, uh, an approach to, um, like, through, we guide them. So we're always educating and guiding. We're always educating ourselves as well. So we're constantly learning about, you know, new products or things that can help them as either current homeowners or new home buyers. So we're coaching them kind of throughout that whole process and really educating them on all the options that are available to them. We're mm-hmm. not making the choices for them. We're letting them instead make educated choices. Okay. What do you think was uh, the most pivotal point in your careers that uh, shaped the type of loan officers you guys are now? Well, honestly, I started off as a uh, loan processor. So that means that uh, I was really focused on um, gathering all the documentation, getting it to underwriting and working on like on all the conditions. And honestly, I worked with a lot of loan officers that weren't so great at their job. So I was okay. doing a lot of the heavy lifting <laughs> yep. and I felt like they weren't really taking their time with their clients. They were just trying to, you know, get the loan through. So when I became a loan officer, I said, you know, I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to really focus and make sure that, um, you know, we do everything up front. We make sure that we're fully explaining to the clients um, all their options so they understand everything. Mm-hmm. If they're not ready to buy, then we put them on a path to buy. So okay. if they have to work on their credit. Yep. Um, but I think just starting from the back end really gave me the insight of what type of loan officer I wanted to be. Okay. So um, one of the reasons why Jess and I work together is um, how similar we are. So my background is very similar to hers. I kind of grew up through the mortgage industry. um, So I've worked in quite a few different roles and ended up ultimately before doing this overseeing mortgage operations as a whole. So I feel the same. I feel like I have a solid understanding of the process from start to finish. So it does give me that ability to kind of guide and educate my clients. So we take what could be a very complicated process And I think Jess and I have the ability to break it down into very simple, actionable steps 
and focus on getting kind of everything that could be more difficult or challenging done in the beginning. Okay. So we really try to make it a kind of fun and enjoyable and, you know, a nice, easy process as yeah. far as something that's going to be, you know, stressful and painful. Yeah, sorry. If you just make the, make sure the mic's low, you can pull it. Yeah, there we go. Just want to capture everything you're saying. Um, yeah, so obviously there's a lot of loan officers out there, just like there are real estate agents. And there's a lot of good loan officers out there that exist too. So why you? Pretty simple question. Why you over other loan officers? I think once again, it's because we we do take the time to explain things to our clients. Mm -hmm. Um, We invest in a lot of software that um, gives us the ability to showcase to the clients and let them see for themselves these programs side by side and instead like Ashley mentioned earlier instead of us deciding what's best for them we kind of already have an idea when we're sending it to them but we listen to their goals and if you know if they want to have the lowest payment we'll show them a few different options and they can see for themselves and pick okay this is the best option for you know for ourselves um, and, and once again, we do try to do everything up front. Not all loan officers do that. They'll sometimes wait to go under contract to get all the documentation. And if you're under contract and now there, you know, something comes up, the whole deal can fall apart. So right. we really just try to make sure that everything's done up front and, you know, it's a smooth process for the clients um, and the realtors and everybody involved. Sometimes they think they know what they want. Um, You know, the client's probably done some reading, you know, done some pre-education. So they might come with like, you know, I think I want to put 20% down and I want a conventional loan program. But like Jess said, they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. So we do. We're going to educate them on that. Maybe instead of putting 20% down, maybe we use 10% to pay off their debt. And then maybe we only put 10% down and it puts them in a much better financial situation. So we really do spend time looking at their full financial profile, the full picture, have a solid understanding of their goals. And instead of just presenting one option that, yes, it does work, we want to present multiple options to give them that freedom and that empowerment to make those life-changing decisions. Yeah. Can you guys think of a situation where you were working with a buyer and they were working with another lender and it wasn't going so hot? And they ended up using you guys and why they ended up making the switch. Can you think of a situation like that? I actually, I had one recently. Um, They got pre-approved by me um, fairly quickly. They were looking at a house. like It was like an immediate pre-approval, so Mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of time with them. They got pre-approved by the bank, and after the fact, the bank gave them a much higher pre-approval, 20% down payment. But I don't know what happened if the due diligence wasn't done. So fast forward, they go under contract on a house and they actually can't really afford it. They don't quite qualify the way the bank had it structured. So we spent about a week and a half on their situation, kind of going through different options and again, different ways maybe we could pay off some debt, pivot to a different loan program, um, maybe look at some type of like temporary rate buy down and work with the seller in that sense to make it more affordable. Mm -hmm. And um, in the end, they stayed with me. We helped them get qualified for the house that they were already under contract for. And they were just thankful because they said that we provided options. And that was one thing the bank did not do. They didn't have any options for them. They didn't, you know, talk through anything. So, okay. You know, something that a lot of people don't understand is a option is rate buy downs. I know this is a little off topic, but can you go into depth a little bit of how rate buy down works and what the benefit of that is? Yeah, I'm really actually happy you said that because we've been talking a lot about that. And right now with the higher prices and the higher interest rates, 
people having affordability issues. So a great option is the temporary buy down. So how that works is you can actually ask the seller to give you a credit and you use that credit from the seller to buy down your rate. So one of the options is a 2-1 buy down. And what that means is for the first year, your rate is gonna be 2% lower than the market rate. Okay. So for this example, say that the current market rate is you know 7.5%. For the first year, it's gonna be 5.5%. The second year, it'll be 6.5%. And then the third year, it'll go to that seven and a half percent, you know, and beyond to the, you know, 30 years. And can you refinance? Yes. So let's say, I mean, if you get that seven and a half percent interest rate, but then you do the buy down, you get the five and a half percent. Um, then you can refinance, let's say, if they go down a yeah, year later. Yeah, and that's kind of the hope. The hope yeah. is with the way the predictions are going, we're anticipating rates to come down in the next year or two. Again, mm. we don't have a crystal ball. No. But if you do that 2-1 buy-down, you have a good chance that rates are going to come down, and then hopefully you could refinance to a lower rate, and mm. you never end up seeing that 7.5% rate. Right. Right now, we're noticing a little bit of a shift in the market. Again, ever so slight, but it is turning a little bit from a seller's market, and we're starting to see houses sit past that first open house. Yes. It is a prime opportunity to ask for this um, credit to go towards the rate buy-down, and it doesn't have to be a hindrance to the seller. So if the seller was asking, let's say, 500000 for the house, you would offer five ten, ask for a $10,000 credit back. So now you're getting $10,000 to go towards your rate buy-down, which, of course, you'd want to pre-discuss with the lender to make sure you're asking for the appropriate amount. But the seller's still getting their 500000 mm-hmm. So that's actually one of our initiatives right now is Jess and I are out educating and teaching the realtors by going to the offices, explaining the rate buy-down, and making sure it doesn't have that negative connotation that the seller thinks. Because affordability is a massive issue right now and this is one way that sellers and buyers can work together and both get what they need right and yeah. you can save them a good amount like four to five hundred six hundred dollars mm-hmm. of that a month the first year it really depended on that loan amount but how much is a buy down like upfront money like what does somebody have to put up front to get that buy down so it's going to depend on the property purchase price and what that down payment looks like um for example just because i did this one yesterday um we had a property i think that was around a million dollars they were going to have to put down about 35% to qualify for conventional loan financing to be able to use this this particular feature. Um, and the buy-down was going to be, I think it was going to be about $17,000. But again, we're talking on a million-dollar property, right, so it's right, a little bit yeah. different. It's different the if savings, it's a half a million. Though, yeah. $900 a month. Okay. So on maybe a four to 5000 I ran one the other day to give it a little more... Um, uh, it's four hundred thousand dollars was the purchase price, and the seller credit was just under ten thousand dollars that we had asked for to cover everything. Okay. So we did uh, four ten purchase price, so the seller could net the four hundred that they were looking for, and my client is saving like I think it was a little over four hundred dollars a month that first year. And, um, you know, the hope is, like Ashley mentioned, that in the next couple of years, you'll be able to refinance into a lower rate. And honestly, worst case scenario, that means the rates went higher. So that, that means that you're still in a better scenario mm-hmm. um, than you would be if you didn't use this program. And there's you- a... F- oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, I was just going to say there's a few different ways, too, you can do it. So as the listing agent, you can write it right into the listing. So if you're putting a property on and you feel like maybe that market's shifting and you want to drive in more buyers initially off the bat, you can work it in. So you can plan, let's say, that you think that house is going to appraise at 510. You can say with a full-priced offer of 500000 the seller's willing to give you know the buyer a $10,000 credit to drive buyers right off the bat. Mm-hmm. 
or if you have a property that's been sitting and you're about to do a price reduction, we're guiding realtors not to do the reduction. You might do a $20,000 reduction where instead you could again offer $10,000 to the buyer and then your seller's only losing 10 instead of 20. Um, or it can be negotiated during inspections. We've had that happen. Or negotiated when appraisal comes back. If the appraisal comes back stronger than anticipated, you know, can we make some adjustments to the purchase price? The seller still gets, again, that price that they were guaranteed. But now our buyer can have some more affordability. Interesting. What do you guys think is the best way to battle high interest rates for buyers? Honestly, that, that temporary buy-down program is mm-hmm. the best that we've been um, trying to utilize. Um, there's really not too much other than if you are a first-time home buyer, Rhode Island Housing, their rates are lower than the market rates. Um, yesterday, I, I haven't gotten a chance to check yeah. for today, but yesterday, um, you know, for the FHA grant program, it was at 7% where if we priced out a normal FHA, I mean, it's going to be high sevens, low eights probably. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good good difference um, mm-hmm. in the interest rate. But if you're not a first-time home buyer, um, you know, the temporary buy-down probably is going to be your best bet right now. Or if you do have some savings, again, a lot of people think that you need to still put 20% down or significant amount down. Really changing your down payment from 5 to 10% isn't going to make a massive swing in your monthly payment. But if you have a Discover card that's running $400 a month, you know, with a payment, use that money to pay off the Discover card instead and don't put it down on the house. And then you're going to save money that way and you're also going to have that card paid in full instead of having that, you know, reoccurring very high interest. Right. So again, it depends on I think everybody's unique situation, but we really are taking kind of a more out of the box approach and that's what we look at every time is like how can we, you know, try to home ownership is it's it's hard right now. Um how can we make it more affordable for the buyers? Mhm. Yeah, and I think you guys also just tied back into the the uh, question why you because those are extremely important options that I think buyers should be made aware of. Um, we're in a market, obviously, where people say, "I don't want to buy. I can't afford a house. Interest rates are too high. Home prices are too high." And there's always a way to get around it, which is extremely important to understand. Whether it's a buy down, whether it's buying a multifamily and investment property and subsidizing half or more. Yeah, of your yeah. mortgage. Absolutely. I mean, depending on the house you buy, you could buy a $350,000 house and get 2000 bucks a month in rent mm-hmm. for the other side. People don't realize that. And it's a pain in the butt, but it's something that you're going to have to just swallow the pill and do if you want to reach that financial freedom in the future. Because rent is just money out of your wallet. You're getting nothing from it. I heard someone say it the other day. You know, everyone's um, upset about how high the interest rates are. Rent's 100% interest. Yeah, exactly. So you're not getting any benefit exactly. by, you know, paying rent besides paying someone yes. else's mortgage. So and, you can take the leap. And if you're not, and if you're in a free living situation, um, looking to buy is extremely important because you need to start building equity. You know, people think, oh, well, if I buy a house, I don't know what the market's going to be like in five years. It's like, don't buy a house for five years, buy a house for 10 years, buy a house for 15 years, you know, and even if you're losing money in that house, if it's just purely an investment property, even if you're losing money in that house, if it's 100, 150, 200 bucks a month, that means you're only spending 200 bucks a month on a house. You know, if you're buying a multifamily and renting out both sides, even if you're losing money, you're still gaining equity. You know what I mean? And you got to think for a long run. That's something that I'm going to apply personally to my life. I'm already looking for multifamilies, not in Rhode Island, but um, in a different state. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's always ways to get around 
problems. There's always a solution, you know, and a lot of people, you know, I'm taking bold, which is a real estate class and a great analogy that the coach was using yesterday is, you know, you have the open hand where you're taking in all this advice and a lot of people have the closed fists and they're not taking Mm -hmm. advice and they're not willing to learn and listen, you know, and it's a harsh reality. Sometimes you have to spend money you don't want to spend, but, and it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to ensure that again, financial freedom future that everybody wants a life by design right and that's something that i want to really get through this podcast you know and you guys are helping me achieve that um and we're going to tie back into the title here and i think that this is something we can get pretty deep into is obviously the title uh um give me real estate or give me death ties into america right really ties back way back when when that quote was said um So the question that I have for you guys is, do you think you've achieved the American dream? Obviously a big turn on topic, but what does that guys mean? What does that mean to you? And do you think you've achieved it? I think, you know, I'll start this way. I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, stability, maybe Mm -hmm. homeownership, financial freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's always more to be achieved Mm -hmm. um so I would say personally while I'm very happy with where I'm at and I do feel like I have achieved you know those two things and my husband and I are able to provide for our family we do have a home which is really important to us much like our business I'm really big into growth and education and I I want more okay so um I think I always want you know more financial stability and the ability to travel and make memories with my family and I I think there's more to it and I'm kind of in a place of that right now in my life where I'm trying to teach my kids that too that there's there's a lot more to it and there's a lot um there's a lot of different ways to achieve you know, right. financial freedom. Even the multifamily example you gave, that was right. not something that when I was growing up that anybody ever taught us was maybe the best direction to go in when you're starting off. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you that. So I, I am a homeowner and um, I think I've accomplished a lot. And I think the fact that, you know, we live in a free country and I'm, I'm a woman and, and we're able to build this business and right. I know in some places that, that some people possible. don't even have that. Yeah. So yeah. like, I feel like I have accomplished so much, but we still have so much. You're still on your journey. Yeah, I'm still yeah. on my journey. Yeah. And, you know, um, I have been able to, you know, we, I, I, I sold my first house and we did grab some equity from that and we were able to like really see, oh wow, what, what can we do in this mm-hmm. real estate game? And, and I know that I'm building equity in, in the property they have now, but I do have still so much, you know, further to go to really reach that like level of financial freedom that right. I want to mm-hmm. be at. But I, I feel like I, I have accomplished so much that I know that others can't. And I, I'm very excited to help others to be able to, right. you know, try and accomplish their American dream and of home ownership. So right. I think it's crazy that we're even able to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, we live in a great place. It has a lot of issues, but still the greatest country on the planet, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yes. um, and the fact that you guys are able to do what you want to do and enjoy it. And it really seems like you guys enjoy what you do. Um, cause you can't speak this passionately about something and dislike it. You know, <laughs> Steve Jobs said, you know, or I'm sure many people have said this, but, um, you know, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. You know what I mean? If you're crunching numbers all day, sitting at a desk, you know, you might be okay at it, but you're not great at it. You hate every second of it. You know what I mean? But if you like real estate is such a dynamic industry, you know, you have so many different people that are in it. So many, so many different, you know, mortgage mm-hmm 
people, real estate agents, uh, you got um, home inspectors, you got attorneys, all these different people that sort of come together to make this industry great. And also there's a lot of um, flack going on because of what's going on with the National Association of Realtors, which is a really interesting topic that I'll probably explore when I have on some real estate agents. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, that perfectly sums up what I wanted to talk about today. And uh, like I said, this podcast is a little shorter than what I'm used to, but uh, we've accomplished a lot in these 20, 25 minutes, I think. Um, and I really appreciate you guys coming out and taking the time to film this podcast. Yeah, Thanks thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, is there anything else you guys want to add before we end? Just take the leap. Take that first step. Don't be afraid. Talk to someone, even if you're not ready now, if you're working with the right person, um, you know, they can help you reach your dreams in the future. Yeah. And if you want to say your names one more time and then plug any uh, socials you have and uh, go right ahead. Jessica Hoxie. And I'm Ashley Cookson, and we're the Lending Ladies. We are all over social media, so yep. follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we have a website, theLendingLadies.loans. Okay, so, um, that's good. That's yeah. really good. You can do everything now with it. Instead of dot .com, you can get pretty creative. <laughs> <laughs> the dot .com is taken, but I'm like, yeah. all right, dot .loans works. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's better. But uh, yeah, thank you again, and um, I'm sure I'll be seeing you guys around. Thank you. Thank you.